Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment, but... Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. Je suis Aldwin. Je suis fatigué. <laughs> you look fatigué. So tired of all the tennis. It was a dramatic French Open in so many ways. So much happened. I almost don't know where to start except for the lovely document you put together to help us <laughs> ro- go through a rundown. Listen, of any episode that requires a document, this would be the fucking one, (laughs) right? Because, I mean, we already complained, lovingly complained, I should say, on our last episode that our eyeballs were were bleeding with tennis watching. And, you know, the same can be true for this week because our eyeballs were have literally not seen anything other than the French Open for the past week. It's very true. I... You know, since the quarterfinals onward have been glued to all the tennis. That's the second week is when all the Grand Slams get juicy. (laughs) And uh, they definitely got juicy uh, this time around. When we recorded last week, we were grading ourselves and it was terrible. (laughs) Yes. And I think... um, we can say if if you were to listen to this episode and then last week's, you would see that we were still pretty terrible. <laughs> Term one was a fail. And you would, you know, just to give you a teacher, drop a teacher analogy on y'all. You know, term two, obviously, you hope that your students improve. They've learned a little something. They've learned to have better um, studying habits, whatnot. We just flunked in both terms. (laughs) (laughs) I think, to be fair to us, what what we do know is that there's no way to predict what's going to happen on the ladies' side. Um, So (laughs) it's, it's it's an expect the unexpected always. So, I mean, if anybody says that, they would be correct. But it doesn't mean they're going to pick... Uh, the winner and if anybody picked um, Krajikova to win then you know I I assume you now have a a new cottage in uh, (laughs) in cottage country yeah I was gonna say come and send some lottery numbers my way so I can win the 649 (laughs) lotto 649 right exactly Uh, just a funny little shout out on that note Jason Uh, shout out to the TLGTA I believe it was Bobby. Usually he's in charge of the TLGTA social. And for all of you listeners that don't know, the TLGTA stands for the Toronto Lesbian and Lesbian and Gay Tennis Association. So it's the association that Jay and I belong to. We play in the Winter Team Tennis League. We play many of the tournaments locally here. Um, Bobby's our president. Um, he's been known to be a shady bee. <laughs> <laughs> shady Bobby. But a f- shady Bobby. A funny shady Bobby, that is. 
And um, he posted a story uh, with the semifinal draw, Sakri versus Pavlyuchenkova. No, Sakri versus Krzykova. Mm-hmm. Pavlyuchenkova versus um, Sakri, right? No, sorry. Pav, Pav versus... Oh, my God. Who did Pav beat? Pav beat... <laughs> oh, my God. We... Our podcast license <laughs> is being revoked. Uh, Zidancic. Zidancic. That's yes. right. Pavlyuchenkova Zidancic. Good good save there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And she was... Uh, she had a great tournament. She had a... She beat Bianca, and we co- we've completely forgot about her. <laughs> That's how good we are. Um, anyway, back to the TLGTA. Bob, Bobby posted a story... Uh, saying, you know, who would have guessed? Was this anyone's semifinal draw? <laughs> and of course, he was being sarcastic. I mean, when we did our episode with Miles, none of those four <laughs> were in the in our predicted in our predictions. No, I don't think either of us. There was one of you, either you or Miles, had picked Zachary. I believe it might have been Miles, but I don't know if we picked her to go past the quarterfinals. Definitely not me. I don't even remember Zachary's name being thrown in the mix. I think Miles might have mentioned her as a um, as a sleeper. Mm-hmm. You know, someone that could kind of cut her way through the draw, which she did. But Zachary definitely was not in my semifinal situation. So, I mean, we might as well just dive into it. What did you What did you think about her play? Obviously, I watched that match i Mm. was completely bored to be honest the first two sets because they (laughs) were both playing well not at the same time uh and it was a bit of a dicey match it was their first semi-final for both of them so a bit tough to watch but then it got good in that third set Mm -hmm. well okay here's my analysis of that entire match having come off a win over um shviantek you know, you see this happen in many Grand Slam tournaments. The underdog comes in against a returning champion or someone they're not supposed to beat, and they are literally on top of every ball. Zachary looked sharp AF in that quarterfinal. She comes into this semifinal against Krzykova, a woman that she is, uh, in every possible respect, supposed to win in that match. Perhaps the nerves get to her. Perhaps she lo- she's looking on social media and our harassing messages to Tom Hill being like, <laughs> being like, oh, you know, ready, play tennis podcast thinks I'm going to make my very first final. right? <laughs> <laughs> and it probably got in her head. I mean, to be TBH, Zachary was definitely not on top of the ball as she was in her in her quarterfinal match. And, you know, the best way for me to explain that third set was Zachary relied completely on her physicality. I mean, she's got pipes that even Jeannie Bouchard wished she had. No offense, <laughs> Jeannie. I'm just telling, just telling you the truth. Okay, girl. But, you know, she was kind of hacking and whacking, dicing and slicing and really just getting bullied around and relying on just chasing down balls to win that match. And that's not what got her there. So, you know, in the end, Krejcikova, as you've mentioned before, actually, I'm going to let you describe her her game style. Which I think it's a beautiful description. But Krejcikova came out on top. Yeah, and she won the trophy, her first. And we can, we'll get into that in a second. But yeah, I 
I had admittedly had not seen her play before. So, you know, kudos to Jonathan, who's like the Oracle of all tennis things for (laughs) talking about her because I had never seen her play and to watch her play. It just feels uh, pretty effortless. Her strokes, she doesn't seem to have anything too special, but um, yeah, her strokes are just effortless. She has a little bit of pop on her serve but mm-hmm. um, the, I think the effortlessness leads to a bit of disguise on her ground strokes, so you don't know necessarily which way she's going. Right. And um, yeah, I, I I was just shocked. It just it just felt like this girl comes out of nowhere. She doesn't really necessarily have a weapon, um, and and maybe that that sort of variety and that disguise and that effortlessness um, flummoxed all of her opponents. Like how did she beat Sloan to in love? Right. I know. I mean, keep in mind, she won Strasbourg right before the French open. um, And she had had some really excellent results in the hard court season. I actually think she won Cotter. Did she win? Oh, anyway, whatever it is. Someone check us, come for us because we're wrong, whatever. <laughs> um, so she definitely had had the results for the season, but you know, you go into a grand slam, you don't expect a debutante to make it all the way to her first final and win the whole damn thing. Um, you much would prefer to rely on big names like Mugu, Azarenka, Williams, Sviantek now. And she just came out of nowhere. And I actually think that comment that she made about her and her disguise is the perfect description because she does have an effortless power. And the one thing that she did that really claimed the title for her was her tactics were always on point. She knew when to come in. She knew when to drop shot. She knew when to hit behind players. And she did that. And she kept her mental state talking about mental state that's another big theme for for the french open mm-hmm. she kept cool the entire time and I, you know you you can see that's definitely what led her to clinch her first slam it's funny you mentioned keeping cool because from the interviews that she had i think post the sloan stevens match she talked about how she had anxiety 30 minutes before that particular match and she didn't know if she would be able to get on court and then, I mean, it's interesting that she smoked her to in love. <laughs> um, and I think she said after that, you know, the, that anxiety went away. So maybe she just needed to have that particular moment of, you know, being in a fourth round of a Grand Slam against someone who has been there before, who's, you know, coming into form again and, you know, feeling that sort of stress and and working her way through it and then you know beating someone like Coco Goff who is also on form had so so many chances in that first set I think she had (laughs) Mm -hmm. like two or three set points got snuffed out all of them and then you know she went away unfortunately in the second set um and and people seem to forget that she's still only 17 but makes her first quarterfinal Mm-hmm. And, you know, Zachary, um sort of not owning, but like putting putting Iga in her place, which I'm sure made a lot of people <laughs> happy who seem to dislike Iga for whatever reason. And then getting all those shady bitches on the GLT players lounge <laughs> and then getting her own jitters in that semifinal against Krajikova. 
mm-hmm. setting up the Pav, who you know finally got past their, their quarterfinal after zero and six, makes the semifinal, and then gets to the final. Yeah, Pav. My God. Okay, I my my sentimental favorite to win the tournament after all of my picks disappeared after the first round <laughs> <laughs> after the first round <laughs> I mean no offense Pat I didn't really think about you um, we did kind of spare a moment for you in the Madrid tournament because you had a great result there but we didn't expect you to get all the way to the final girl but when Jason mentioned that stat on last week's episode about you know having beaten so many top 10 players but never progressing past the quarterfinal of the slam which is so astounding considering your caliber of play. I mean, her appearance in the final, you had to be rooting for her. You know, we posted on the GLTA Players Lounge a picture of Pav and, you know, same thing. People were swarming her with like, we want Nasty to win. We want a, um, oh, Flavia Panetta moment. Uh. You know? You know, the, the veteran who's been vying and playing on the tour for years that's never had a chance to vie for a slam final finally makes it. So, you know, I definitely was sad when she didn't win. Um, I wanted her to win. Four, six, and the third is so close and so, you know, just she was behind the entire set, that last set. But when we watched her IG stories afterward with her kind of hugging and taking kissy face pictures with her finalist trophy and then shopping in Paris and being out with her coach you know she had a really good attitude about it all so I was happy to see that she wasn't devastated or crushed and that um, we probably will never see her in a slam final again <laughs> <laughs> shady I was just gonna ask I mean we'll talk about somebody else who's probably a bit more devastated and crushed in a few <laughs> minutes but what do you think is next for her obviously she's made um she made the madrid semi-final and she made the final of the french open her first grand slam semi and grand slam final mm-hmm. we talked last week about her never being in the top 10 like is that something that could uh come for her through the rest of the season Yeah, I think that she, I mean, if she plays the way that she did this entire fortnight, then she's got a good look at cracking the top 10. I mean, I think at this point in her career where she has, you know, so she doesn't have as many years, obviously, as a Coco Goff to vie for a Grand Slam championship. She's probably looking to just play her best tennis in whatever year she has left. So she, I mean, I'm speaking for her. It's as if like I called her on the self. I'm like, hey, Nastia, what do you feel? <laughs> Girl, what do you, what are you feeling for the last few years of your career? But I mean, if I were her, I wouldn't have any more pressure. You know, I would just want to focus, enjoy myself on the court. Something that we heard Vika say when we interviewed her last year. And she just wants to enjoy the sport mm-hmm. and not have not deal or not have a better way of dealing with the pressure do you, is my take. Do you think she felt that pressure in the first set? Cause she went, <laughs> that first set was over right quick, right quick. She, I mean, she was just, yeah, I think she was just being bullied around and going for too much and trying to, that's the thing when you have a, a hitter, like, Nastia. She relies on her shots and her strokes. I mean, who doesn't? But she's less of a 
craft player and a point construction player as she is like, bitch, I'm going to hit this forehand as hard as I can and get a, get a winner. And she was, she just didn't have the range. And Krejcikov is not the person to, to play like that against. Otherwise you're just going to, you're going to do what she did and lose the first set in like negative five seconds. Mm -hmm. One of the things that came out of her post-match interview, she was asked a question about the impact of, doubles on her singles play so there seems to be a little bit of a narrative happening about encouraging other other you know people who want to do well in singles to to play a bit more doubles yeah and a perfect segue because you know going back to the french open champion you know krajikova Bar barbora krajikova we're trying to get it right for all, <laughs> for all you um linguists out there i guess pronunciation haters um, um, she wasn't just satisfied with winning the French Open singles championship. She had to go and claim the women's doubles championship with her buddy over there, Sinyakova. Mm -hmm. The first time since your first favorite player or second play favorite player did it. Uh, okay. Steffi yeah. was definitely not. Uh, In 2000. Oh, okay. Second favorite. Mary Pierce. Yes. Mary. Oh, there's something about Mary. Missed her. <laughs> Lo loved her commentary for French television. But anyway, yeah, she won the doubles title as well. Mm -hmm. 2000. That was 21 years ago. Oh my God. What do you have to say about Goff and our girl, Zachary? Mm. What, what what say you about, about those two ladies? Goff? Okay. Goff and Zachary, from my vantage point, have a completely different mental, um, have different levels of mental strength. Goff is undeniably going to win a slam. I think it's just a matter of time. She just has what it takes. She fits the profile of every young prodigy that's ever been successful in tennis. Steffi, Monica, um, Serena, Venus, you name all of the all of those young teenage prodigies. She just has the mental fortitude as a 17 year old that she can only get better. You know, Zachary is a bit different. I mean, she's not, you know, Grandma Moses over there, like <laughs> waiting on her last tournament to play tur <laughs> to play to win for a slam. But she does have a ways to go in terms of keeping herself together in a match. So, you know, Tom Hill, notes to Tom Hill, we know that you're we, we know that you're going to come away with this with a positive um, result. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Zachary can do it. She just has to believe in herself match after match. Mm -hmm. Wh what yeah. about you? Yeah, I I mean, I think you could tell that she believed in herself in the Ega match and then things got a little turnt once she <laughs> when she realized that uh oh i'm the highest seed left at number 17 <laughs> and that can be a little bit of a mind f i guess as as a player you know with four people left vying for that check and that trophy and uh coco on on the coco golf side she <laughs> i think you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, mental health this whole tournament. She had a really good attitude at the end of the match and match. <laughs> you pronounce that <laughs> word correctly. Uh, I, th I, you know, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing. She said that, you know, the loss is only going to make me stronger or something to that effect. So 
um, you know, a great result for being 17 to make it to your first quarterfinal in a pretty like dominant fashion where you were consistently winning and playing well. And, you know, you ran into an opponent opponent that was uh, pretty tough and you had chances and couldn't convert and then, you know, fell off in that second set. So, but yeah, I mean, she's so, so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, I mean, she's gonna, she's gonna do it just a matter of time. So congrats to Barbora yes. Krajikova. <laughs> Looking forward to more from all of these other ladies. And if they can get in the mix with some of these people who got knocked off early, WTA will be juicy. Yeah. One quick thing before we transition. I wanted to play a very short game with you. Okay. <laughs> Jason, do you like games? (laughs) (laughs) I do. So Barbara Krajikova, she enters an elite group of players. She's one of four players now on both the WTA and ATP tours to hold active players to have won a Grand Slam singles, doubles, and mixed championship. Can you name the other three? Oh God! Uh, active players. Active, babe. Active. Can you give me the breakdown of men versus women? No men, because no men, no men in the top are playing mix. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Shady. Um. Oh God. Well, we went through the whole list of people who uh, have played, who who were the ladies singles champions of active players. So I have mm. to go through that list. Um. I would have to say Barty. Nor. No? She's Nor. won doubles titles, but not mixed doubles titles, is what no. you're saying. She wasn't, she wasn't in the mix there. Oh, my. She was not in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, oh, God. This is going to be stressful and might take a lot of time. So I... we, have, we have only, like, f- that's not true. There's only 15 active women <clears throat> singles champions i mean one has to be venus correct ding 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 one could potentially be serena correct wow okay look at your your skills of logic (laughs) and then the third one other than krajikova would be this girl's gotta go i love her but she's gotta go like she got she's gotta just take care of her baby Take care of her baby. <laughs> oh, Kim Kleisters? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> who, uh, who has? Who else has a baby that has a singles trophy besides Azarenka? Ooh, hun, this woman is a U.S. Open singles champion. Sh- champion. She's one. Oh, mm, okay, go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's her name? Exactly. <laughs> Sam Stozer. Sammy. Stozer. Stozer. Sam, Sam Stozer. You know what, Sammy? I apologize. That was very shady of me when I said that you got to go. But, you know, I just saw that you lost in your first round in that grass court tournament that you traveled to. And it's just painful to watch because we love you so much and we just want you to win. And you are losing. <laughs> I mean, let's be clear. You didn't actually watch that match. <laughs> you, you saw the results, and <laughs> and you're now saying it's painful to 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 your eyeballs to actually l- look and see the score. Exactly. 
<laughs> it's painful to swipe left to see it. <laughs> Speaking of painful, we, post- <laughs> we posted the story of, of the tears of your ex-boyfriend after his loss because Marion Bartoli had the nerve, the nerve to ask about your breakup with him during, <laughs> <laughs> during that that French Open trophy presentation. Uh, uh, you know what? I don't know where to start with this. This is clearly the meat and potatoes of our show. <laughs> no offense to the ladies. Krajikova, wonderful job. But the men's draw just produced some of the most spectacular tennis, least of which was complicated by my relation, ex-relationship with Pass. So, I mean, listen, I want you go. Where should we start? Are we going to start with him? What, let's start with um, the Musetti match with Djokovic. Okay. So Djokovic do was down two sets to love in that match. Mm. And then he, you know, turned the beat around <laughs> as he tends to do. do. Uh, he won that second set six love. Uh, sorry, six one, six love. And then Musetti retired at four love. And shady. Some people, some people thought that was shady. That you know, I think he said post match that he knew he wasn't going to win, so he retired. But I think sportsman like <laughs> wise, you should just play out the match. I think there was a bit of a commentary after the fact that if unless you're injured and you or you feel like you're going to risk further injury, you should just play out the match. So. Yeah, I I I thought that that was shady. I mean, you're down love four, fifth set. Um, there's no imminent issue that you're contending with. So, girl, why are you why are you retiring? I mean, like I sent him a text message that he read on the the changeover at um, love three, and I'm like, why are you telling me that you're going to retire? Like, you need to keep in there because I need that quarterfinal prize money that you're about to get so but then you know current boyfriend was like nah i'm out of here i didn't like that 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 was very shady yeah step your pee up man yeah geez yikes yikes so that that i thought was interesting we've already you know talked about Federer's withdrawal which we're not going to go over but i appreciated in the aftermath hearing during the commentary from others like Mary Carrillo and John McEnroe, who also said they did not agree with it. Mm-hmm. Although they sort of like at the tail end, John <laughs> McEnroe at the tail end said, well, you know, because of what he's done for the sport, I guess he's able to do that or he feels like he's able to do that. But I don't know. I feel like you need to just stick to your guns and say that ain't cool. Yeah. You know what? Listen, privilege is a hot button issue that can be spoken about everywhere. Listen, just because you have done so much for the sport at this juncture doesn't mean that you can pop out of a grand slam just because you think Djokovic is going to smash you so hard and embarrass you on the clay. Like that is (laughs) not what sports is about. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we had a few. Uh, we had to revise our picks because, as like <laughs> as with the women, we did a little bit better with the men. And you know, to be fair, the men are have a little bit more consistency with who wins or loses. It's not sort of a gender based thing. It's just sort of naturally how these matches progress. But you, I think, had picked. <laughs> Diego to make it to 
the semis, correct? No, 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 I didn't choose Diego to make it to this. Diego Schwartzman, like my revised pick. Yeah. Did you not choose him to maybe take out Nadal? I don't think so. If I did, I probably smoked a pipe right before. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think I did, to be honest. I mean, Diego, I was really happy that he strung some wins together and made it to the quarters. But no, there was no chance in hell that I thought Diego was going to make it past Nadal. I was actually very shocked that he took the second set from him, TBH. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, my long-range pick was Zverev, remember? It was, yes. And he was... Down two sets, mm. Mm. won the next two sets, mm-hmm. and then CT took the fifth. Did you, did you, um, were you in tune for that entire match? I was. I did watch both men's semifinals, and it was a, it was like a <laughs> nine, nine to five work day. <laughs> so, you know, I, I know we're going to get into the juicy, Matchups, particularly the Djokovic Rafa semi, but you know the less talked about matchup is going to be the CC's Zverev matchup. What did you think was going on in that fifth set? Like, did you feel like they both were playing to their fullest potential? God, I you know what? I wish I could say I remember what <laughs> happened in the in the fifth set. I you know once that. Once you watch that um, Nadal Djokovic match, you, mm. you kind of forget what mm. actually happened in that. So, and that's not necessarily fair, but I mean, they they sort of set it up like this is the the as they say here, um, <laughs> as they say in French, the entree. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the appetizer versus the main course. Uh, so, the main course was the Nadal uh, Djokovic match. So, I actually. I actually can't recall <laughs> what the fifth set was like. You'll have to refresh my mems. I kind of liken the fifth set to the Zverev team fifth set at the U.S. Open. Okay. You know, I felt like it was kind of like, I'm tired just watching y'all be tired. You know what I mean? And um, the fifth set for this particular match was less about the quality of the tennis as opposed to who wants it (laughs) who wants it more and you know where i thought zvera had more gas in the tank i mean cc just had more of a mental edge in that fifth set kept it together and you know it was a classic situation of a point here or there because i think it was just a break it was like six three or something in the fifth set Mm -hmm. so i mean it was nothing spectacular it was dramatic in that it was a five setter as i predicted the two semis were going to go the distance but i mean the real showpiece as you mentioned was the Nadal rafa four set 27 hour marathon (laughs) (laughs) i well i mean i i can't um what we what we know about tsitsipas and zverev is that they're hella athletic Mm. they will sort of figure out the gas tank piece uh, over time, what we learned in watching those two matches is that there's just another level still um, from these young guys, you know, 22 for Sitsi, 24 for Zverev. And um, 
their match was what three hour three three and a half hours three hours 40 uh over five sets and the nadal joko which was four sets was like four hours and 11 minutes or something like that that Jeez. third set was an hour and 35 minutes or something yeah <laughs> yeah i mean as i was watching the match uh, a bunch of my friends from france lucy in particular lucy my best friend who um who whatever i lived with when i when i lived in france she was like are you watching this match <laughs> oh my god like our eyes are glued onto the set and i'm like yeah girl it's like you know i jason and i predicted it we knew it was going to be such a um tumultuous match only because you know joe joko joko is playing on on rafa's court and mm. there was i mean for me there there was just so much at stake Rafa is not a person that really feels at the pressure. If anyone, he's the one that really deals with, you know, all of these expectations on his back the best. But I mean, Rafa went up a quick five love in that first set. I'm like, he's going to get dusted. Like, Joko can go <laughs> home. Thank you very much. But, you know, I think another theme that we have to kind of introduce in this show is like, you can never, never, never count Joker out. Ne when you end it with an A, never. <laughs> never. You know it's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th I, th I think there was a feeling that there was going to be a repeat of the final from last year where Djokovic lost 0-2-5. He had only won seven games and couldn't quite figure things out. But even though he was down 5-love, he never really looked confused. I think... You know, obviously he was frustrated. There were things that weren't necessarily working, but mm -hmm. he worked his way. I think what the turning point, I think, for me in that match was him working himself into the match before that first set ended. Mm. So he he got himself mm. into the match. He broke him. I, f I don't know if he broke. He broke him once. So he won his first service game at five love. Uh, and then broke him and then won, you know, to go to 5-3. Mm -hmm. So he was working his way, I think, into that match. And then something, you know, actually s flipped in that second set, which he took 6-3. Uh, and then obviously we have the epic 7-6, um, hour and a half uh, marathon set. Uh, where I believe, you know, Nadal's spirit may have been broken. Um <laughs> He was out, uh, you know, Djokovic, what I said in, in one of our posts to social media that we do on some of these pages was he got, he, he out Rafa'd Rafa. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, shot making par excellence. Mm. Some of the, you know, shots you just watch and you're in awe of what's happening on the court on, on both ends. Mm -hmm. But Djokovic is just in that on that particular day he was at another level. Explain to our listeners what out what you mean when you say he out Rafa Rafa because I I think maybe I have an idea of what that means but who just let us know what does that mean? Well, I mean I think one what people uh um know about Rafa or um, contextualize in in their in Rafa's aura 
as a player is somebody who does not quit, mm. who will uh, get to every ball and and goes for for everything. And uh, I, I think Djokovic um, knew that he would have to do that and and do it better than Rafa in that match. Mm-hmm. And you know what we know now <clears throat> about sort of that match and how he was feeling going into the final was that this would be perhaps his biggest accomplishment in his career if he was able to you know beat Rafa on on that court the guy was 103 and 2 in singles matches <laughs> at that tournament um he'd only been beaten twice uh, once uh, from Djokovic in the quarterfinal in 2015 so he knew if he could beat him at the semis um, and and win the final that it was the ultimate achievement. So, yeah, I mean, I, maybe I didn't articulate it very well, but just bringing commitment to every point is mm-hmm. how you have to um, how you have to compete against somebody who does the same. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I could have described it better myself. When you're watching that third set which I think will go down in French Open history is probably one of the best sets ever played. People were, I mean, that set in and of itself is a match. You know, that set of tennis is like the quality, the quality of the points. I this is what I said at the beginning of the podcast, of the podcast. This French Open displayed, I think, the best men's tennis that I've seen since the uh, before the beginning of the lockdown. So it was really kind of juicy and exciting and enthralling to watch. But, you know, we watched Rafa smoke through the entire, like literally the entire (laughs) draw. Like Yannick Sinner looked like a guy that I could just tap on the shoulder at East York Tennis Club and be like, you want to play for an hour with me? (laughs) I mean, he really made him look so, pedestrian is not even the word. He just made him look just goodbye. Mm-hmm. Ciao. But when you're watching Rafa against Nadal, it is such an, a mindfuck because you're right. Joko does do that to Rafa. And like he is doing, he clearly did it much better. But Rafa doesn't have the luxury of not only bullying Jokey, Jokey, <laughs> <laughs> Joker around with his top spin and, you know, all of his shots, but. Joko is giving it back to him with interest and you know that is such a weird thing to see mm-hmm. but it's exciting because you know it, it just goes to show you that Joko is truly on a whole nother level and Steve I would agree with both of us <laughs> I think he would and he's not somebody Rafa's not somebody you can hit through on that court so Joko figured out how you know and that's that's part of his game I think is to try and you know, hit through people off the return and he wasn't able to do that. So he figured out, I think, a way how to do a bit of the clay court dance that Mm. Rafa does so well um, and just staying in the point and, and, and grinding the way Rafa does on the clay. So yeah, I think it will go down, as you said, as a set to remember. And Mm. for that reason, people will remember the match, but, the the juicy part i think of the match really started as the 
momentum was shifting uh, in the second set, but I would argue it started shifting in the first set when mm-hmm. when Djokovic decided, you know, I really need to use these next few games, even though I'm probably going to lose a set, to build my way uh, into the match. Well, you know, a student of uh, French Open 101 course is going to cite that quote from you when, when they do their thesis on... Um, champions of of the grants of the grand slam (laughs) (laughs) well i uh i um give you permission (laughs) so we haven't really talked much about sitsi well he's he's gonna take center stage right here it was his first final he was clearly excited after he got through that semi Mm. it was his first final and how did you feel as he was going into the match and how did you feel through that first set? That first set was a very good first set, which he took. I, how did I feel? I felt so happy for him. I had a moment and, you know, as I was watching him take the lead in the first set, I said, and this is, again, something that I've said about CC this entire season. There is a change of energy in him. He definitely wants to be a slam winner. He's tired of all of this um, commentary about him being, you know, oh, such a great tennis player, but hasn't won a Grand Slam title. He's not living to his fullest potential. I mean, he just took to the court and really took it to Joko. And one detail that I didn't know, and obviously no one knew about CC until after the match was that he received word five minutes before stepping on court that his grandmother passed away. So, you know, he's dealing with this emotionally. It's in the back of his head, but clearly he compartmentalized that situation and was able to really take it to Joko, clinch the first two sets. Just a side note here that morning, I woke up and I wanted to be responsible and uh, post a little, you know, Joko versus CC poll on our Ready Play Tennis <laughs> Ready Play Tennis podcast IG. I don't know what y'all had. Did you have Haterade that morning? Because we had so many people respond to our poll, and it was literally for like a good the first twelve hours of that poll, a hundred percent in favor of CC. <laughs> We're going to get into this thread a little bit later, but why is everyone on such a hateration for Djokovic? <laughs> Back- yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, we could talk about it now. I don't know what you think, but... Well, I mean, just suffice it to say that CC started off incredibly and, you know, people were already posting on the GLT players' lounge like, oh my God, CC's going to win his first slam title. I'm like, y'all... <laughs> Don't do not do not celebrate just yet. Do yeah, not. You were like, y'all, yeah, because you saw it. <laughs> it was that two-one game. Yeah, two, he was up a. Uh, it was on serve two-one, and mm. CT was serving, and that was that was the game. It was like an eight-minute game. CT <laughs> was fighting to hold his serve, and he got broken, and that's that was. I mean, that was the, as they say, the TSN turning point. The TSN turning point. Hit us up, TSN. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, to your point, he he lost his way through from that point into the the second set. Djokovic coasted 
oh sorry the fourth set Djokovic coasted really towards the end of that third set and through the fourth set mm-hmm. um, clearly Stefanos had sort of dipped um, lost his concentration was trying things that weren't really working for him uh, that he he stopped doing what was working for him mm-hmm. in the first two sets right uh, which was you know playing really from the baseline and when he found his moment coming to the net Mm -hmm. and popping off on that serve. So (laughs) then he, he, I think realized he was just going to have to bear down as you do sometime what's on the can and (laughs) really get into that fifth set. Yeah. You know, funny that you should mention that because from CC passes perspective in the post-match interview, uh, you know, a a reporter asked him, you know, what was it about the change in momentum? Like, what was it that changed in Djokovic's game from the third set onward? And it's funny because Pass himself said, you know, I felt I was doing all the right, the same things in the first and second set to get me to win those two sets. But Djoko, for whatever reason, I mean... I think partially, you know, Djokovic has made a little bit of a deal with the devil because he just gets himself out of these incredibly insanely deep holes i mean (laughs) some of that can be really good sometimes (laughs) but um you know and he just cc pass mentioned that he was just reading my ball better and that just goes to show you that djokovic is a thinker on the court um and um you know even daniela hantukova who was commentating for the french open live channel she was saying that you know, CC Pass gave all of his mental energy in the first and second set. When you are facing someone like Djokovic, to sustain that for five sets is nearly impossible. And he just had the edge Joko did in that fifth set, you know? And, um, you know, CC Pass just didn't have the gas. And it's funny, one, one last thing that CC Pass mentioned in the post match interview that I thought was really really kind of telling he said you know a reporter asked him what did you learn what's the one thing the one thing that you learned that uh, came out of this first grand slam final for you and he said that two sets is not enough you know like i mean it's obviously a very literal lesson Mm -hmm. but i mean you can't just be up two sets and think that you're going to Musetti this thing, you know, because mm-hmm. Musetti felt the same way. And uh, you can never count someone like Joko out. You have to keep your momentum, your energy. Remember, keep remembering the things that you did in those first two sets to capture them and keep keep it going. And even though Djokovic looked out of it, mm. after, you know, he obviously was frustrated to have lost the first <laughs> set lost the second set pretty quickly but at some point after that second set and you know taking the uh, necessary break (laughs) to leaving (laughs) leaving the court uh which i guess is within the rules to uh you know compose himself and reset and it was that fourth game that was sort of all it took and the you know let's not discount the fifth set the fifth set was pretty competitive and and compelling and intense Mm -hmm. but 
uh, Djokovic had the upper hand still for for the majority of it, and and you could tell Stefanos was trying to find solutions, and in the end, didn't didn't quite didn't quite make it there. Didn't quite make it there, and that leaves us with Djokovic as the French Open champion, twenty twenty one, nineteen Grand Slam titles. Um, something that I was so astounded by <clears throat> was. He is the first person, I believe, in a long time, perhaps since the time of Steffi in 1988, that has the possibility of winning the Golden Slam, which is all four Grand Slams in the same calendar year and the Olympic gold medal. And I think he has a good shot of doing it. Yeah, and and all the Joko haters will blame the pandemic for that because the (laughs) Olympics were canceled. <laughs> last year and he wouldn't have that chance if the pandemic hadn't happened uh, t- tell us okay you know what I-, I really am fascinated by this you had we had spoken earlier this week and you were telling me about some you know hateration going on against Djokovic and some crazy lame ass excuses that people were making up about this guy like what was that what what did that one guy say about Joko and his excuses remember do you remember? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Uh, I think people generally have a disdain or dislike, for, and we've talked about this before, a disdain or dislike for people who um, outwardly um, state what their goals are. Mm. Djokovic is very clear on his goals to be, you know, number one, to sort of... Um, <laughs> exceed um, all of these other uh, players records at the same time I think he comes off as uh, gracious and you know we talked to you and I talked offline about the um, what he said about Nadal after his win over him you mm-hmm. know he basically poured all of these all of this praise onto him and you know the guy has he's untouchable on that court obviously so you know um shared all of this praise uh, about him even in reflecting on his win and saying you know it's because of all of those efforts that this is one of the greatest accomplishments in in my career Mm -hmm. but there is a weird sort of um hate for for joko for for all of those all of those reasons and weird issues with him feigning injury like <laughs> you know in this Musetti match in this City Pass final do you think he really wants to go down to love and make it dramatic <laughs> like is that part of him building his legacy because he knows he's liked less than Federer and Nadal like I don't know it's all very strange and the stats at this point are starting to lean in his favor, which obviously gets under the skin of Nadal and Federer fans. Plus, he's um, he's five years younger than Federer, a year mm. younger than Nadal, and his body is definitely going to hold up better than both of those guys. Yeah, like, I'm just, you know, as you're giving that beautiful explanation, I'm just trolling the GLTA Players Lounge. Someone posted, the three most reliably crowd-supported players in men's tennis, full colon, number one, Federer, because everyone loves the Fed moment, two, Nadal, 
three, whoever's playing against Djokovic. <laughs> like, what is the hate about? Like, yeah. seriously. I mean, listen, there are things about Djokovic's personality we covered in last season, especially with the Adria Tour, that are questionable, that we've called out, that we wouldn't necessarily agree with. But, I mean, he's a boss, period. He's a boss. And, he's, you know, it. we talk the the last few weeks have been about sort of mental health and mm. you know to an extent tennis is about mental toughness especially mm-hmm. when you get on the court and you're facing somebody like Nadal and one of the things that I heard during wa- uh, while watching the men's final was Mary Carrillo talking about Djokovic and how when he played the Wimbledon final against Roger Federer obviously the Wimbledon fans are going to be for Roger over Djokovic. Mm -hmm. But he said to himself as they would chant Roger's name in his head, he, he told himself they're, they're chanting for me. Oh my God. That makes me cry. Like (laughs) imagine having to sort of go through your career and Mm -hmm. follow these guys who, you know, for whatever reason, they're loved uh, more than you. They came up before you. So mm. people sort of latched onto them mm. uh, maybe first and didn't feel they had enough room for you and, and, mm. and your, and, and being a fan of you and, and being the underdog as the 19 time Grand Slam <laughs> champion <laughs> and having to tell yourself in your own head that they're chanting for you. Um, when they're actually chanting for Roger Federer. Yeah, I mean, that takes a lot of mental fortitude. And uh, he, listen, he's got the last laugh. When you take a look at all the stats compiled together, everyone, the ATP tour, every tennis podcast, tennis IG story can undeniably say that I believe, I mean, I believe Novak Djokovic has certified himself as the best in men's tennis ever. I'm sorry. I mean, he's got one slam less than Roger and and uh, and uh, Rafa, but all of the other factors when they come into play really point to him as the best to ever played. Mm-hmm. I said yeah, it right he, here. He's right. Here. He's got <laughs> he's got two of all of them. They they don't have that. Mm. Um, Masters yeah. titles. Masters titles. I think he's surpassed both of them he has five world tour finals nadal has the olympics Mm. um but he has more years on his side he has i think more health and and fitness on his side and uh like you said he can go for the golden slam potentially Mm. this year and at the same time if he were to get the two more slams left one coming up in freaking two weeks Mm -hmm. he uh, will tie and potentially surpass them. So, yeah, I mean, very quickly, Djokovic. If Djokovic clinches that gold medal, I think that the argument is done. You know, just mm-hmm. stick a fork in Rafa and and Roger. Nice for you to show up. Thank you for everything you can contribute to tennis. But you can be in. You can be like in the I'm imagining when like the history of tennis book comes out and you know how they do these like rankings of best players of all time. You know, three will be Rafa. Ooh, that's even contentious. Don't don't come for me. Three could be Rafa or Roger. Two could be Roger or Rafa. Number one is going to be Novak. Sorry about it. Yeah. 
It's hard to it's hard to argue with that. And, you know, people will say, well, it's not just about what they do on the court. But when you're talking about the best tennis player, it's kind of only about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, what, what do they mean? Like, uh, like, off court what they behavior? do off. Yeah. What they do off court. Yeah. Like, like what? Like you, you like Roger getting a five hundred dollar haircut. Like, what are we talking about here? Like charity work. Like withdrawing early from a tournament. <laughs> like, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. He said it. <laughs> uh, speaking of people who have the potential of being great. Oh, God. Our boy FAA has the potential and he made another final. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just having a drink right here. Lost his eighth to. Uh, one Marin Cilic who won his first title in a while. So congratulations to Marin win- winning the Mercedes Cup mm-hmm. on the grass. So there was another tournament happening concurrently um, <laughs> with the with the second week of the French Open because the FO pushed itself back a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know really what to say about it. I just feel really bad for um, Felix. Zero and eight is really tough pill to swallow. Um, the result is amazing. I guess all of his hard work that he's done with Tony, Tony has started to click. Um, it was a cute little situation when Marin, in his um, post-victory interview on court, said that it was nice for his, you know, newly born son to see him win for the first time, which is great. I mean, Chilich is a U.S. Open champion, so you know, for him to snag a title is just a nice little thing for for everyone to see. But uh, what are we gonna do about Felix, y'all? Still young. He's what twenty one. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, yeah. One day, one day, hopefully. One day, hopefully. And uh, Johanna Conta won a title on grass in in her homeland. Yeah, joke. Talk about someone coming from out of the blue. She beat, <laughs> <laughs> she beat Shuai Zhang in the final, and uh, you know has gotten herself together on the grass court season. So good for Joe. Good for Joe. Happy just for just in time. Just in time. Oh, my God. I feel like we need a bit of a breather in between the French and Wimbledon before our eyes. Like, we need our eyes to kind of, like, heal again. But you cannot. You know why? (laughs) Because there are four freaking events this week. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Hala. Hala at your girl. Hala at you. No, Hala, there's, I think, one in, like, Birmingham Mm. on the lady side. Yeah, there's too. It's too much. There's a people are smoking a lot of grass this week. Isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it Queens happening this week? Mm -hmm. Queens is yeah. Sinner lost in the first round. He was he's already out. Mm. Pospisil's already out in Hala. Jeez, we're gonna have to transition our talk from um, from clay to grass, and like those guys don't have a minute and. I mean, you think about all of those people that went deep in the French Open draw, like their transition to grass is going to be real quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Uh, Like, what's what do you think? Maybe we should end with this. Like, what do you think Joko's chances are? How is he going to transition? Zverev's in the draw at Hala. So, you know, Sitsi just withdrew uh, Mm -hmm. from Hala. So I think there's another tournament next week, but... I don't think Joko's going to play potentially anything till Wimbledon, which is starts in two weeks. Like, what do you think are 
the chances for Joko and Tsitsi. I'm going to just say it right now. He's going to win it. Joko's going to win it. He's going to win Wimbledon. I, I have never seen any... I have not seen anyone pull that many rabbits out of a hat. So he's got a lot of rabbits. He he has a lot of rabbits to get through, you know, the rabbit that is Rafa. Mm-hmm. Even to get through that Musetti match, even though he sort of went away in that third set, uh, to get through Berrettini, that whole, you know, situation of losing that third set having to have the fans be escorted out that's another interesting thing that happened the fans <laughs> were allowed to stay for the nadal Djokovic match it was considered an extraordinary circumstance whatever oh. that means <laughs> meaning it's like oh my god this tennis is so unbelievable we're gonna let them stay and uh, Mary Carillo said that that this is that's so French. That's so French. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So. I mean, I live the red tape myself. That is very français, à la française. Mm-hmm. But now we transition to the grass. Um, if you're here in Canada or certain states in the U.S., you can smoke it. It's legal. <laughs> uh, but hopefully, you can find a court to play, and we'll be watching all of these tournaments leading up to Wimbledon. Yes, I know. So exciting. We're going to take a minute to just breathe mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get right back to it with all of the grass courts, re- grass court results. Yeah, I think uh, the next episode we'll do will be a, Wim- a little bit of a Wimbledon draw preview. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can do better this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we make no promises, though. <laughs> Bye. Au revoir. We're here for your tennis-tainment, or your tentertainment, or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review. And like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.